This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Glenn Wexler, and you're listening to Pantheon Podcast. History in Five Songs. With host Martin Popoff. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Hello once again, Martin Popoff here, back with another episode of History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by the good people at Pantheon Podcasts. We are pleased, as always, to be part of this fast and always expanding Pantheon Podcast Network. We're available on Spotify, iTunes, Amazon Music, and over 40 other podcast platforms. All right, this is episode 206. I'm calling this Bands That Went New Wave. Now, this is a little different than, um, I don't think I ever did the whole episode on bands that went disco. Maybe I did. I think we have something on keyboards, bands that added keyboards. I think, you know, we definitely have something on electronic drums. This is a little bit different than that. It will take into some of those things, but this is more the idea of, um, and we're going to look at this a little over over time, and I've got some categories as usual. This is more like bands that... uh, that went new wavy, and I, you know, in the true spirit of this, I, I wished I would have been able to make a whole episode of the late seventies, um, because that's when you know first we get punk, then we get new wave, uh, we get baby bands being new wave, but we do get some of these bands trying new wave. But what I found interesting about this episode is that um, I couldn't think of any examples of bands that actually went punk. Uh, that's pretty interesting, right? I mean, there was a lot of hype for punk, especially over in the UK, New York City, blah, blah, blah. Essentially, the big year for punk was 1977. That's when all the albums came out. It already started to fade by 1978. But it's interesting that no bands actually tried to go punk. Um, not that I can think of. Let us know on the Facebook page if you can think of anybody. Um, you know, I know there were the odd... Uh, you know, heavy metal band, like very, let's just like nascent early examples, but there are um, likely, I can't think of them off the top of my head, but a few like new wave of British heavy metal bands that might've started like more of a punk band because generally you would start, you know, in, in 77, 78, if you were going to become a new wave of British heavy metal band. Um, But yeah, kind of interesting uh, that, that there is none of that there and there's really no punk here, but I do have some, uh, some excellent examples of, uh, of new wave here. And I think we've caught a lot of, this is going to be kind of like a, you know, a a rich thing looking a lot of different disciplines. Um, So yeah, so let's, uh, let's play the first track and we shall discuss. This is Queen with Staying Power. (laughs) 
All right, so this is from 1982's Hot Space. Queen is an interesting example. I'm loosely calling this category classic rock bands. Um, so this kind of goes back to the beginnings and it goes back to what I would have wanted this whole episode to be. Um, but I found enough to, uh, to to add some other things. So, so the, the interesting thing about this Hot Space album is that um, it's dancey, it's disco, it's electronic, it's futuristic. So it's that kind of new wave. But it is also... The kind of new wave that I wanted for this is it is kind of herky jerky as well. So it's got a little bit of that going to it. You don't hear you don't hear an affected new wave vocal out of Freddie or anything like that. And the other interesting thing about including Queen in this is that the previous album doesn't, you know, the game doesn't really have any new wave isms. It's got it's got, you know, some weirdness with crazy little thing called love and and another one bites the dust. You've got disco and you've got rockabilly and you've got you've got a little bit of modernity added to it, but this is the album where it goes crazy. And the other thing that's interesting about Queen is that they do have the song Sheer Heart Attack uh, on uh, News of the World 1977 and that's ostensibly the idea of responding to punk. And so you could say Queen went punk for one song and they absolutely did an amazing job of it because that is a super powerful, punky, energetic song. It's like better than punk. It's like them doing punk and then just being better at it. Um, but they only do it for one song and it is a little bit of a lark and it's definitely a departure because it's one of the, their most raw and, and seething and energetic songs. So that's kind of cool and an interesting one that, that kind of aligns up a little bit with that is Led Zeppelin's Wearing and Tearing, right? Because that um, is, uh, you know, so that comes on Coda. It's a non-LP track, so it's on the Rarities album Coda. Um, but it was recorded uh, during the uh, In Through the Outdoor sessions, and it's kind of their response to uh, to punk. Um, you know, Jimmy Page was was enamored with the energy of the dam. There's that famous quote. So it's almost like their sheer heart attack song, this Wearing and Tearing song. And it is a good rock and raucous, uh, you know, heavy song. Um, also interesting along those lines is something like the Rolling Stones Shattered. So shat, uh, Rolling Stones, they essentially went through that great period when where they were like a really big band again. Um, and, uh, you know, trying disco, but essentially being the Rolling Stones. But Shattered definitely stands out like a sore thumb as them trying to do something new wavy. It is very quirky and new wavy. And this is them, you know, inspired by that whole New York scene. It's, you know, 1978, uh, some girls album. So that's kind of cool. Um you know, what else do we got? Um, you know, you could almost say that Black Sabbath Never Say Die, the song Never Say Die, seems like a bit of a punky song. Uh, but, you know, Black Sabbath brings up an interesting point. There's a lot of bands that didn't try anything really new wavy. I don't I don't think, you know, you could never say Aerosmith tried anything new wavy, Ted Nugent. Um, so, you know, it's not like every band kind of did this. But I thought that song kind of always stood out. I remember when I was hearing it in 78 thinking, oh, this is Black Sabbath's punk song. Um, Kiss uh, is an interesting example. Um, you know, you could think that the Unmasked album is them getting a little new wavy. Um, and I think it is. Uh, I think what you get as a... Um, as almost like a signal about the new waviness uh, when a band tries this is the tightening of the clothes, you know, like like the toning it down on the costumes, uh, the cutting the hair. You know, they, they didn't have long hair, they didn't have short hair, and didn't look very good. Uh, but you could say that Unmasked definitely has a little bit of a new wave feel. Uh, it's, it's a little bit in the abstract of the philosophy of the production, you know, the tighter production, the, uh, the less bassiness, boominess on the drums. Um, 
you know, making everything sound claustrophobic and again, a little herky-jerky. So this is that sort of new wave thing. Um, it's not really punky. It's even got a song in there called She's So European. But no, I, I don't think Dynasty, which is 79, um, is particularly new wavy in any way. Uh, but I think you do get that by the time you get to Unmasked a little bit. So, you know, they're, they're moving up in the years past the sort of new wave thing. This is, you know, 1980 at this point. Um, you know, did Billy Joel go a little new wavy? Um, I've had it suggested that, you know, you could you could signal a new waviness in, in changing your name a little bit. So Bay City Rollers become the Rollers. But that album uh, is not very new wavy. Strangers in the Wind, 78. Um, Jefferson Starship, you could definitely say they went uh, pretty new wave on Modern Times in 81. Electric Light Orchestra, definitely. I think, uh, you know, on the Time album, you've got things like Yours Truly 2095 and From the End of the World or Here's the news where they sound like almost like an you know an extreme version of Devo um, so you could say they definitely went kind of new wavy um, also in the classic rock category uh, think of something like Lindsey Buckingham for the Law and Order album in 1981 Go Insane uh, 84 and even that was sort of echoed a little bit uh, by the likes of Fleetwood Mask on Tusk right so so that was considered their stripped back a little bit caveman-y, a little bit new wavy album. It was a little bit their response to being this mass, you know, who, why would you want to change your sound anyways? But anyways, they do this double album, which is a little obscure and it's got some experimental things on it. And I think that was kind of their, um, you know, embracing of this new music, this new creativity, trying to be a little bit fresh and not be the classic rock band uh, again that had these two massive, massive albums in Fleetwood Mac and Rumors, right? So uh, so there you go. That's the category, uh, classic rock bands. Uh, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy 
happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, back again here on History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff, episode 206, Bands That Went New Wave. The category this time uh, for number two, let's take a listen first of all. This is Tease with That Kind of Girl. Okay, so the category here is baby bands. Uh, Tease is a great example. Um, one of the rare examples, and they're one of the better examples, I would say, uh, of this whole thing. So Tease is this great Canadian hard rock band. They've got the self-titled debut. They got On the Loose. They got the Tour of Japan, one of the heaviest albums of the 70s, uh, like a good heavy rocking album. Then, you know, the next one's a little uh, experimental, One Night Stands. Um, but then they do this... Um, this last album, last album they ever did, it ruined the band, Body Shots. So they have this Body Shots album that comes out, and literally this sounds like the work of a different band. It's definitely really herky-jerky. Brian Danter is, is adopting an artistic British sort of voice. The All the, the, the percussion is kind of like clustered and clumpy, um, as you can hear on this song. So yeah, this Body Shots album is uh, is one of the rare examples, definitely, of a, of a classic rock band. And this time a really pronounced classic rock band who's actually a, a, a nascent, you know, essentially a heavy metal band, right? A hard rock band, Tease, uh, going going this direction. And, you know, I remember talking to the guys, I interviewed all four of the guys uh, over the years, and uh, and they talked about what a disaster this is. You know, they had in like a clothing consultant who was making them wear new wavy clothes, and then the band, of course, is sounding super new wavy. So yeah, it just killed the band. It was just an absolute identity changer. Um, you know, stars. We could think about stars with the likes of Attention Shoppers. So this is another band put out two albums, sound like the Tease albums, right? Good, solid, you know, American meat and potatoes. Tease is Canadian, of course, from Windsor, but, um, you know, uh, hard rock. So you got stars, you got Violation. Um, and then they do this Attention Shoppers album, which is very mellow. So this is this is a kind of new wave. I went through the whole thing to prepare for this episode again. And it's it's more the kind of new wave that is a, is a stripped back sound, but it's not herky-jerky and punky new wave. It's not like English new wave. But it's more like the idea of uh, when you're adopting certain 60s pop tropes and maybe even girl group tropes. So a little bit of traditionalism. So it's a little bit of the East Coast American new wave uh, feel. You know, you think of bands like the Romantics who are like a retro band, right? Um, 
in effect, South Southside Johnny, Mink Deville, Mink Deville's kind of slash, you know, retro slash new wave uh, a little bit. So uh, yeah, stars. I think you can hear that in the song she. Uh, but even so, so this is funny that the the one one of the two heaviest songs on it is called X Ray Specs, which is the name of a new wave band. But it even has a little bit of a new wave vibe to it as well. Um, it's it's kind of got this surging up tempo feel. So well, a punky. So almost like a punky vibe uh, to that one, even though it's a heavy one. Um, but yeah, think of any way that you want it. I'll be there waiting on you. Definitely pop. Um, and you know they have uh, they they put aside kind of the the black leather clothes and now they're just in, dressed in uh, you know standard uh, new wave poppy mainstream clothes so uh, so that's that one um, Derringer I think uh, you could say uh, arguably went new wave between the likes of the classic Sweet Evil album and then uh, the '78 album uh, If I weren't so romantic I'd shoot you so it in a sense I think I've even done a whole episode on these bands getting mellow and poppy but you know monomania there there's some sound effects on there I love the album but but you could say it uh, it, it gets a little bit new wavy um, we've got the great example of the boys so this is like a southern biker rock and rollin' band, a 1978 album called uh, Too Wild to Tame. They actually, like the Bay City Rollers, changed their name to The Biz, so B apostrophe ZZ, and, uh, and it gets kind of poppier, a little more new wave, a little more mainstream. It's not particularly new wavy, but uh, you definitely feel that pronounced change, and they've got, you know, the album covers kind of like this... Uh, you know, looks like a bee, so it's it's brighter colored. And the first one, it's like a like you're in a wild west town, and there's bikes and bikers everywhere. I mean, it's a really mean looking looking sort of album. Um, I almost feel like the gods go a little bit new wave between uh you know the the classic uh, debut album to the Nothing Is Sacred album. The Nothing Is Sacred album looks totally mean and metal. It's bikers, smoke, um, but it's a little bit. Uh, again, in that sort of retro uh, feel of of being new wave um, band, nobody's gonna gonna heard of. But one of one of the first bands, well, the first band I ever saw live, they were amazing. They looked like rock gods to us, the Carroll Brothers from BC. Um, but uh, their singles were heavy. They were heavy live. It looked amazing, right? They came through our little town of Trail, BC. Uh, but they had a self-titled debut. Uh, unfortunately, it was a disappointment. It wasn't very heavy, but it definitely wasn't New Wave. But you get to the second album, Baby Get Down, and again, they're cutting their hair, and they're sounding a little New Wave. So that's a little one. That's a, that's one that's a little bit like the tease example that, that you know, kind of lines up really good. Um You've got Utopia, Todd Rundgren. Um, it's not exactly baby bands, but yeah, Todd Rundgren was really futuristic. He went kind of new wavy. Uh, you know, again, maybe uh, a little more in the classic rock. Should have should have put these in the in the previous example. So the classic rock. You've got Neil Young with the likes of Trans, 1983, with We Are in Control, Computer Age. He said it was influenced by Kraftwerk. There's a lot of electronics on it. Um, Atomic Rooster, Headline News. You could say they went kind of new wave. June 83. Um, David Bowie. Um, so here's an interesting one. You know, this is a this is someone who comes out of a traditional music making, even though you know the look and all that, Ziggy Stardust, blah blah blah, Aladdin insane, but very traditional musically. Um, but when they go into the Berlin period with Iggy Pop. Um, you could say that David Bowie goes new wave and kind of invents the new wave. I mean, he's very important in terms of inventing. Uh, he'd be a huge influence on bands that called themselves new wave and punk, but he's not punk, uh, but the punk bands would call him an influence, but definitely super influence on what became new wave, post-punk, new romantics later on, all that kind of stuff. But 
those those albums you could say that he kind of went new wave um Another one in the classic rock category, just to just to show you that bands essentially um, didn't go new wave, but they they would try something once in a while. Is is like the likes of ZZ Top with like groovy little hippie pad, right? Um, so that's that's definitely a new wavey song on El Loco. I don't particularly think Eliminator counts for any of this, um, but yeah, they do a couple of quirky things here and there. And this comes from Billy Gibbons, um, you know, and his travels in Europe and being sort of inspired by this stuff. Interesting in the baby band category you can think of a band uh you know and there's uh, funny there's not a lot of examples of, of this but you could say that the boomtown rats are a punk band that went new wave um because squarely squarely tonic for the troops is a new wave album and fine art of surfacing is a new wave album um but the boomtown rats uh you know is is definitely a punk album um and some of those other bands went kind of mellow in in some various directions you can loosely call it new wave but i think tonic for the troops is the best example of uh, of this sort of thing okay so that's your baby bands category take a listen to this our third selection this is genesis with abacus cab. Okay, so our category here is prog bands. What prog bands went new wave? And again, I don't think all of them did. I don't think yes. I don't think you could ever say yes went new wave. You know, even though you've got Tormato with the shorter songs and you've got some Buggles guys joining him for drama, but drama's a, just a good prog album, right? And I don't think uh, 90125, oh, whatever it is, <laughs> or uh, Big Generator, I don't think any of those are particularly new wavy. Um but uh, but Genesis definitely this is a this is a, uh, an example of a band that was super successful with it because this is when they got really big so they went from almost the purest pro- progressive rock band you can possibly imagine to being very much about synthesizers and uh, and electronic drums or gated drums treated drums um, love this album to death but it's very new wavy you think of Keep It Dark and especially Who Done It with which annoyed a lot of people. Um, but even Duke, uh, you see it starting up, and then and then later on, they're they're just there's like really they're they're like a they're like the prog rock Devo uh, when you get to the Genesis Genesis album and We Can't Dance stuff like that. Um, so yeah, they're definitely an example of a band that went new wave. Um, uh, Jethro Tull, uh, you know, you think of even you know Broadsword and the Beast is a funny one because you think of that cover; it's the most progressive rock cover you can imagine. But they're starting to go new wave there. Uh, they they definitely go. A lot more in that direction, you know, as time goes on, you think of the Under Wraps album, uh, you know, Under Wraps, uh, the song Under Wraps, Lap of Luxury, we're up into 1984, I don't really want to talk about that because that's sort of a, a different category here, but um, yeah, Renaissance. You think Renaissance, big change from 1979's Azure Door. Uh, when you get to Camera Camera, 1981, they become a full-fledged new wave band. So a lot of electronic produ- uh, percussion and herky-jerkiness and uh, rigid rhythms, uh, kind of dancey rhythms. We're thinking of that kind of new wave. Um, so yeah, definitely. Um, King Crimson, great example of this, of a band that goes new wave. So um 
essentially they are this this big serious prog band they end way back in 1974 with red but they take take the time off and robert fripp goes away and he's inspired by new york and all this and you've got exposure that great album and and all that you know fripp frippinino stuff in there evening star and all that kind of thing but when they come back when they come back they are really inspired by herky-jerky post-punk sort of rhythms um, you've got Tony Levin in there. Adrian Ballou comes in as this nerdy kind of freaky guy who's, uh, you know, came from Frank Zappa's band and he makes a lot of quirky new wavy noise. This is almost like more post-punk than new wave because it's such a radical new wave sound, but you also get, you know, that effect of, uh, you know, the talking heads. So this is all, you know, Daryl Hall, this whole New York sort of scene going on. So basically King Crimson comes back and gives you radical, radical albums in, uh, in Discipline in 1980 and beat in 1981, and uh, three of a perfect pair. Is it 83, 84? Uh, anyway, so those three. So you get the red, blue, and yellow period of King Crimson. Very, very new wavy uh, for a progressive rock band. Um, Sticks Kilroy is here. Um, definitely, this is a quasi prog pop pump rock band, whatever you want to call them, classic rock band. That when you arrive at this album, it's got electronic drums. Uh, you think of Mr. Roboto, very new wavy with the synth sounds and the and the treated, uh, you know, the vocal on it. Um, so this is it's concept album, but it's it's very it's very tight rhythmically. The bass is kind of like cloistered and pent up new wave bass uh, on here. Um, I definitely don't like the album at all. You can see the the recent Contrarians episode uh, we did uh, on that, and I, I give it a 0 out of 10. Um, Hawkwind, interesting example. So here you have a quasi, well, space rock, hard rock, semi-heavy metal, semi-prog, uh, semi-ambient. Uh, you know, Hawkwind's hard to describe to their credit. Uh, but you get up to Quark, Strangeness, and Charm, and I think that's definitely a new wave song, and you get kind of a new wave Devo-ish vocal on it. Um, it's got it's got a very uh, conservative hypnosis album cover, but I think it's kind of new wavy. And then, you know, it's 1978, they morph into Hawk Lords, uh, which you could say is a little bit of a new wavy thing. So, so yeah, they kind of go through a bit of a new wave period. And, you know, anybody who was that big and that exploratory in electronic sound, and synthesizers uh it's gonna feel new wavy anyways but they they definitely kind of push in that direction a little bit and give you a little bit of that uh as well at that point um okay let's go on to our fourth selection here take a listen to this this is alice cooper with aspirin damage i got a load of tension burning up my neck something's wrong with my suspension so pass those tablets to this wreck. All right, so this is uh, Alice Cooper from the great Flush the Fashion album. Um, this is the category here is the very, very, very best example of for this entire episode. Alice Cooper is absolutely the best example. Who would have thought it, right? Um, but, you know, you get this guy who's coming out of this. So he's been a solo artist for four or five albums at this point. Very traditional music uh, on From the Inside and Goes to Hell and Lace and Whiskey. Just basically... Uh, Ballads, semi-rock, 
fooling around general general classic rock made with general traditional instruments right um but you get to this album uh you know this is entering the blackout years as they call them the dark years where he's drinking a lot he's doing crack cocaine he's hallucinating he almost dies he goes down to like a hundred pounds or whatever uh but basically you get the um you get the flush the fashion album special forces zipper catches skin and dada uh, these albums that don't sell very well, he's still on Warner, but they are very quirky and new wavy. Uh, he cuts his hair. He's got kind of a punk rock look. Well, yeah, that's true. It's it's more of a punk rock look that he has through this period than even new wave. But the albums are very new wave, very herky jerky, very um, quirky with the lyrics. He even adopts a new wave vocal. Man, this is the perfect example. If that tease album, you know, because that's an obscure small band example, and it's it's. Even that isn't as um, as convincing as Alice Cooper here. So here's a guy who totally becomes a new wave artist, and he does it for four albums, right? Uh, but then, yeah, he goes away. He has to clean up because he almost dies, and he comes back as almost like a uh, a slasher rock horror hair metal rocker guy again for the likes of Constrictor and Raise Your Fist and Yell. So at that point, he comes back. He's just a mainstream Sunset Strip kind of rocker. Um, so he's completely put that whole thing aside. But yeah, here you go. Definitely, definitely best example. Uh, all right, so let's move on to our number five track here. Take a listen to this. This is Blue Oyster Cult with Veins. Okay, so the category here is moving on into the 80s. So this is a temporal moving on, and um, and we're getting a little bit into dangerous terrain of, of hopefully not overlapping with other episodes, but the idea here is becoming uh, bands that become new wave, um, but now we're not talking 78, 79 new wave. Actually, there's one other funny thing I wanted to mention about a baby band, you know, put this in the Boomtown Rats category. The Cars is a funny one, right? So the Cars are almost credited with creating this new wave sound or being very successful in it, right? Um, with that debut album. But the funny thing about the Cars is that is that they're a new wave band that's kind of hard rocky and using traditional instruments on that debut. And they they become even more new wavy when you get to Candio and Panorama and Door to Door and all those. So so at that point, they, they actually become, they, they actually create a certain kind of new wave that's a new wave of traditional instruments and become this even more Devo-ish, uh, mainstream-ish, mind you, but, but mainstream Devo-ish sort of new wave band. So what made me think of that is Blue Oyster Cult is a is a really cool example because as you hear in this vein song, so so you're hearing a modern version of New Wave. You could say we're now into synth pop New Wave, New Romantics New Wave, Duran Duran, you know, whatever, a bunch of those sorts of bands. But the funny thing about Blue Oyster Cult that's interesting uh, in this New Wave trajectory is you could go back to uh, 1981's Fire of Unknown Origin and hear a little bit of new waviness in the song Fire of Unknown Origin, After Dark. Like, like I've often said that those songs reminded me of The Stranglers a little bit, right? And one of the main reasons I think that way is because you move from Alan Lanier as a barrel house, honky-tonk, boogie-woogie piano player 
uh, to a synthesizer player, right? Um, so, so that album, you get this modernity to it, which is synthesizers. So that sort of signifies new wave. Now, when you get to Veins, we're up into 1983 and the revolution by night. Um, now you've got electronic drums. Um, you've got very techy new wavey production. So, so this is like them being a different kind of new wave. Um, so just a couple others into this category of, of later years. I think Iggy Pop, for example, um, you could say he's always kind of been a new wave artist like Post Stooges, but I think he gets into an even more new wavey sort of feel when you get to Zombie Birdhouse um, because it's a little more artsy. Um, Rush, of course, is a famous one that you could say they go new wavy, influenced by Getty getting into keyboards, influenced by Neil Peart being inspired by Stuart Copeland, so they get a little policey. Uh, but as time goes on, you get Signals, which has a lot of keyboards, and then they get really keyboardy at the percussion end. And by the time you get to uh, Power Windows and Hold Your Fire, you could say, uh, you know, generally what you say is that they've become quite keyboardy, but you could also say that they've become quite new wavy. So, you know, even though Blue Oyster Cult adopts 80s production tropes and keyboard sounds and drum sounds uh, across the likes of Revolution by Night and Club Ninja, they're still essentially writing Blue Oyster Culty music. Uh, it's just got some 80s sounds, but Rush really kind of does go new wave. Um, you know, and in the department of bands like Blue Oyster Cult, who really don't change in the writing very much, you've got the likes of Molly Hatchet and Blackfoot, you know, the famous, uh, you know, 38 Special, the famous trope of these um, of these Southern rock bands trying this and falling flat on their face because it just doesn't line up with uh, big bellies and big beards and, uh, you know, um, belt buckles and jeans uh, doing this kind of new wavy poppy thing. But those bands kind of do it. Um, Robert Plant's a kind of an interesting example. So he goes from basically a classic rock artist on, uh, you know, the principle of moments and, uh, and pictures at 11, the earlier one, you get to shaken and stirred and it's a very new wavy album. And it's not even that he's keyboard tropey new wavy. It's just, he's just really creative and strange and new wavy. So that's, uh, that's kind of an interesting one. So, uh, so there you go. That's, uh, that's our last category. So this is us moving into the eighties There are many, many examples of this version of new wave as well. But, uh, I think we covered a lot of good bases there. Um, I want to just mention the last episode, Triple Crown Rockers. Um, there was some really good input after the fact on Facebook of people pointing out some that actually fit that. Remember, the idea was uh, name name uh, some rockers or some rock stars, some individuals who have been on three classic albums by three different bands. And um, I thought there were a couple examples that came up that I thought were even better than my honorable mentions uh, or or should have or could have been actual examples. And those would be the likes of Bob Daisley. On Rainbow Long Live Rock and Roll, Diary of a Madman, uh, and of course the second one, and Uri Heap Abominog. So I think all those albums are absolutely classic. And I like him in there. He's not a side guy. He's a writer. He's an, he's an important guy because I didn't want to put side guys in. There's people like Don Airy that um, you know I don't I don't really include in this. Um, Bill Bruford definitely I think fits as well. You could pick Yes, Close to the Edge, King Crimson Red, and the and the UK album, the first UK album. I think all of those are classics. So he's he's like our best example of a prog rock guy who is a triple crown rocker. Um, and Bruce Dickinson I think fits as well. 
Other people disagreed with me because they don't think uh, Samson Shock Tactics is a classic. I totally do. Um, so you could put, you could pick sh uh, Shock Tactics, uh, pick any Iron Maiden album. I'll go with Peace of Mind. And uh, most people agree that The Chemical Wedding is an absolute classic, maybe better than almost every single Iron Maiden album. So Bruce Dickinson, welcome to the Triple Crown Rockers uh, crowd. Um, if you like this episode and uh, this show and want to support future episodes, go to uh, coffee.com. Uh, uh, rhymes with coffee, of course, slash Martin Popoff. This is my main way of supporting this thing. It's just a simple PayPal. Uh, hit the $3 button. You know, sometimes people double it, triple it, or whatever. But uh, yeah, very, very, uh, very uh, nice and easy to use way to support the show. Uh, this week, I would like to thank Andy at Black Sugar Transmission. Again, he's part of my, uh, the new Cure book that I have out right now. You can check that out, a panel book where we go through every Cure studio album. You go to martinpopoff.com for that. Um, so yeah, he says some really good stuff in there. He's a super deep thinker on on these bands, and he especially loves the Cure, like great stuff on disintegration and stuff like that. Uh, so Andy... Of course, he's a he's in, he's in KMFDM and Blondie and all that as well. So he's a he's he's a definite bonafide rock star uh, as well. Kevin Donaldson as well. Thank you very much, David Fisher, John Lilly, Augustin Garcia de Paredes, Steve Polari, John Stuckey, and William Walker. Thank you all very much. Again, you can go to martinpopoff.com for all your book needs. The other recent books are the big, nice, expensive coffee table books. We've got the Pink Floyd, the ACDC, and the David Bowie. Got all of those in stock. Uh, so there you go. Um, go uh, go take a listen to this stuff. Let me know if you can think of any other bands that went new wave any better examples uh than alice cooper or tease uh frankly um and uh it'd be nice to know if you can think of anybody who went punk uh there you go uh go play some uh go go play some blackout era alice cooper that's your homework find all of our shows notes social and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at The RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at RNR Archaeology. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.